Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. And hi, people out there. Welcome to Too Much Information with Sean Arnold. My name is Sean Arnold, just like it has been since I was born. Uh, this is actually fun. So for those of you that are listening to this in podcast form, it's sometime in the future. And what you don't know is that this is being broadcast live on my guest Twitch channel right now, which basically means at some point, I'm sure this will technically completely fall apart, but we'll deal with that when we get there. My guest tonight is a Twitch streamer, a friend of mine, an online friend of mine now that I've met through Jeremy Lopez, who you guys have heard me talk to before and you guys know Jeremy. Um, she's a Twitch streamer. She's a cosplayer. I think she's a pretty good cook. Um, I want to talk, try. I want to talk about that some too, but, um, <laughs> you can find her at www.twitch.tv slash Kurti, K-E-R-R-T-Y. I'd like to welcome to too much Why? information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kurti. <laughs> Sean. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. How are you doing? It's the first time I've actually seen you. Too. Oh, really? I just know you by your screen name. I know. I apologize. Um, <laughs> for you having to like actually physically see me it is that's what's so weird about Twitch. so this is an interesting conceptually interesting right because it is this and jeremy in our last podcast we talked about twitch just as a platform and it is very interesting the relationships you can develop with people you know oh my gosh it's so bizarre but it is kind of one way because we see you all the time except for you know when you have a cold and no cam stream but um, yeah, but and that's actually that's really hard too because if you were to meet me in person, I'm the same person. But for me, I just see your screen names every day. Yeah. So I only interact with you through chat or just words that I see on the screen. So to see your face and hear your voice, it's so much different. It's such a bizarre concept. Um, it is. But what's funny, I think, is I feel like. A lot of people that I haven't met in person, I know exactly what they would be like if I met them in person. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I think of Lopez as one of my best friends. <laughs> yeah, well. And I've, I've only known him for a year, but I talk to him almost every day. It's so strange. Most of my friends online, even, um, I just got married last December and one of my mods in my channel was actually at my wedding. It's a crazy world, man. Just meeting people online and I see these people every day. And even some days I think, man, I haven't seen that person online in a long time. I, you know, I hope they're okay. Or, you know, like <sighs> Discord too, right? So Discord's another outlet where you can chat with people offline and I'm constantly talking to people online. I talk to people online more than I talk to people that I know in real life. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, Jeremy, well, it's a, not exactly like Twitch, but Jeremy and I actually met because we were doing like an internet news show um, where uh, people sort of came on via it was Skype at the time, but it was through like the the NBC affiliate here in Atlanta. And, um, I actually just heard his voice 
right? So we were in like the pre-show meeting before we Great got voice. started. Definitely a radio voice. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that guy's voice is great. And you know, and like my wife was in radio and she does TV and the, I just pick up on those sorts of things. And um, I sent him a note off stream and I literally said, I mean, it was probably now in retrospect, like maybe a little creepy, but I was just like, dude, your voice, <laughs> your voice is so great. It's like, I just want to <laughs> hug it. Um, and that's how we started talking. And then I found out he had a podcast and then I invited myself onto his podcast. Um, <laughs> and that's actually one of the big things that made me want to start podcasting, which is wild. And then he wasn't even doing Twitch at the time. And, uh, and of course then we met, you know, IRL and, and then he started doing Twitch and then I'm just like, wow, well, I mean, he's my friend. I'll support him. And then you end up in this crazy Twitch world. Yeah. My experience with that was I was working with a guy and he was talking about how he was watching a girl play Call of Duty, but instead she was playing with her puppy the whole time and people were just throwing money at her. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you know, you're a gamer, you're a girl, you're cute. He's like, you should get on there and play video games. And I've always, I've played video games since Atari. Mm, me too. Um. Wait, so I've been, you were negative I've been a gamer two when Atari since came out. before I could talk, probably. Wait, you were like minus five years old when Atari come out, came out. How could you nah. possibly have been playing video games since Atari? What year did Atari come out? I want to say it was like 80, 80, 82. Think so? Uh, well, my brother is seven years older than me. So oh, I go. always kind of had that outlet of the hand-me-downs you know mm -hmm. so when he got the nintendo i got the Atari. when he got the super nintendo i got the nintendo like it was always that kind of hand-me-down of you know here i don't want this anymore you can have it so i've been a gamer for as long as i can remember and i've always been really animated when i play video games <laughs> so he was like you're gonna be perfect for twitch and it was one of those outlets that I had too, because I moved away from home, which I'm from a very small, small town. So everybody knows everybody. So for a small town girl to move to like a big city, it was a really big deal for me. I was moving away from like my family and my friends and I was with this boyfriend, you know, and I didn't know anybody. So to have Twitch, it was a really good outlet for me to one, play video games, because that's what I do in my spare time anyways. And two, meet new people and talk to people so that I wasn't alone all the time, you know? And that's kind of the cool thing about it is that you just meet so many cool people. Yeah, you do. You really do. Let's unpack some of this a little bit, though. So okay. first, um, believe it or not, the Atari was actually released the first time ever in 1977. Oh my God, really? So I was uh, almost three. I was two, okay, almost Okay, so I guess three. we were probably late to the game on um, the Atari train. But it stayed in production until 1990, which I didn't even know it had, they didn't actually stop making them until 1990. Or no, excuse me, So we got it when it was super discounted then, right? Like that's probably what ended up happening. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I remember, and I can't remember the year, I want to say it was maybe 85 when the N Nintendo came out. That was the big like that was I mean I my dad was a 
a, a programmer, right? Like back in the day. That's and so I had computers around like from when I was really really little. Oh wow! Um, like the that, giant ones. Like you had a bedroom for just a <laughs> giant computer. <laughs> well, that's how he started. But I actually, I want to say I was maybe. Um, I want to say I was maybe nine or so, or eight or nine, and I got an Apple IIc, which was where, like, the CPU and the keyboard, you know, were all one thing. Oh, yeah. And then the, you had that green, you know what I mean? Like, yes, the green. I know exactly what you're gr- talking about. The green monitor. But, you, but and, and you know, so you could take the, and it would take, you know, floppy disk. You could take it around with you. But it was very, our school had those, and we thought we were so cool because they had the different colors, right? Yeah. And it was like, and you very, always wanted to sit at your favorite color. There was like blue and green and what, like purple or something. Well, no, this was before even that. These were the first ones oh. that were just like cream plastic. Like, that was before what you're mm. talking about. When they ended up like starting to making them, because the whole idea of a personal computer at that point was a little bit foreign, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you know, you had very simple like you know text-based games and you know stuff where you're just moving a little like white blip around on the screen. And I don't mean like yes. Pong, but like you know, it was all everything was very very little simple. And actually, at that point, it's a little hilarious because if you think about it, at that point, w- consoles, Atari, were far superior to the PCs. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, as far as you know, just graphics and the whole graphics, thing. yeah, alone. I mean, and then you obviously moved, but I mean, I remember then I got Nintendo, in that, and I had always been around them. But when I first got Nintendo, and I I played Super Mario Brothers, like that was it. Like I was done. Like I'm I- still addicted to it. So for my birthday a couple weeks ago, actually, I got a Nintendo Switch for my birthday. Nice. And it has all the retro games on it. And I've already beat two of the Marios. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go back and replay them. I can't stop. Um, It's so good. It is. And, And here's what's funny, too. I think the worst beating in my life I ever got was because of Nintendo. <gasps> what? So, um, do this, explain. I apologize for anyone that's not listening or that I'm about to spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm um, about to call out. Well, spoiler alert. Um, this was before, I guess, I the, the whole we we just were around the time when the Santa thing was breaking. You know that there, <laughs> that Santa. There was no Santa, and uh, oh, there's no Santa. I know. I'm sorry. I fucked. Oh my God. I fucked it up. Um, traumatized. So. Um, <laughs> then, um, was, but we were a, so the way my family did it is, is gifts to each other. We opened on Christmas Eve night and then Santa gifts were Christmas day, Christmas morning. Um, oh. that's how they, that we broke it up. And also a lot of people do Santa gifts are not wrapped, but the way we did it is all the Christmas morning gifts were, were still wrapped. I had friends that were like, no, Santa doesn't wrap presents. I was like, yeah, he does. We had that fight like before I knew. All the elves about. wrap them, duh. I know. Clear, clearly those families were psychopaths <laughs> that didn't write, write, have their Santa presents wrapped. <laughs> they were just cheap. Parents didn't know that's, how to wrap gifts. That's right. So anyway, I was so jacked because I knew I kind of, you know, I had been really hinting hard around the Nintendo, right, for Christmas. And... I got up at like 3.45 in the morning and it had to have been only probably like an hour or something before my parents went to bed and I don't have any brothers or sisters. So I went into the living, like, and I opened everything with no one there. Like it was pitch black. <laughs> like I just started and I, cause I was looking for the Nintendo 
and then I got it out. And again, like, because I was into tech stuff, I mean, I was like, probably, was probably nine or 10, but I figured out how to get the RGB cables and get it hooked up to the computer. And I was seriously probably on like level five dash three or whatever when my parents woke up at like six o'clock and I literally, my mom walks in the room and goes, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, they, I mean, I caught like the worst, they were so mad. And the best part about that Christmas though, I'll have to put these in your discord. I think I still have them in an album. So what my mom did, cause they had no pictures from the whole thing. She would hand me a gift and like sprinkle wrapping paper around me and take a picture of me like holding the thing yes my mom had done that before as well but I had been crying because I got a beating right like I had gotten (laughs) in trouble and so every picture of me was like she was like these are tears of joy he was just so happy to get this Nintendo yeah and it was clearly obvious that I was not they were like you think you'd be happy that picture doesn't look happy with a Nintendo she's like giving you the glare look around the corner (laughs) like don't you tell him yeah 100% so anyway (laughs) that was my that's how I got started that was how my really I feel like my video game uh life started um but then it was just I always had a console like I always had a console like for the rest of my life you know what I mean like there's always a console in the house no matter what Um, we did too and we always had a ton of games like I don't know uh, you guys might not have them down there we had like they were family videos I don't I think that's a north thing but it was it was essentially a movie store, you know. But they had oh, video games there. Oh, that was the name of the like, store, Family Video. Yeah, yeah, no, we didn't. They have had Nintendo games there. Oh yeah, we, we had stores that did that. And you could go rent these Nintendo games, and it was awesome. So we would always do that. And believe it or not, actually, my mom is a big gamer. So after work every night. My mom would come home and I mean, we lived in this tiny town, right? Like I lived in bumfuck Egypt. There was nothing where we lived anywhere. You had to drive 20 minutes to get to the nearest stoplight, <laughs> let alone a store, you know? So there was nothing to do other than video games. And we would just play video games every single night, whether it was Bubble Bobble or Bubble Mario Bobble. or whatever, you know? So video games... For me, anyways, it's like, it's life. It's it's all I've ever done. Uh, yeah. It's so weird. To, it's so lame to say almost. Uh, It's not. I mean, I was from the same sort of, I mean, the town I grew up in was like one, one general store, one post office, one Baptist church. That was like the whole town. Yeah. It was just yeah. nothing going on. Um, <clears throat> This is an interesting conversation I've had with my wife because... She's um she's eight years older than I am, and I really feel like I was kind of ru- somewhere between she and I was really the inflection point. Like she, video games didn't really show up in her childhood, right? It wasn't until later because just they weren't around. But then by the time it got to me, we I always had them around, and it's still yeah. very much like even I think when we got married. She was just like you still play video games? And I'm like the average, you know, and then I have to start, you know, you, I'm sure you do it too. It's like the stats. It's like the average video gamer is like 40, right? So, you know, it's not a kid. You're thinking about like, now don't get me wrong. Our nephew that like plays Pokemon and you know, there's that kind of stuff, but there is also this whole different world of these things are not being written for eight year olds. Right, like no. these games, are and not I feel like, like the real gamers. I don't want to like, oh God, I just said the real gamers, mm-hmm. but 
I I want to say that they were made in the 80s and 90s. They really were. Mm-hmm. And because that was like the prime of the video games. You know what I mean? And that kind of comes back. I'm like, I love Twitch so much because it's like going over to your best friend's house and watching them play video games. You know what I mean? Like you always had to take turns mm-hmm. with the controllers or whatever. Like, okay, I die. It's your turn or whatever. And it's essentially that. <laughs> like, except I never pass the controller over to anybody else. Oh, right. That was well, and that was sort of like maybe the advantage or disadvantage because people are always like, "You didn't have brothers or sisters." Like, wasn't that lonely? And I was like, "No, I don't have to share shit with anybody." It was great. Yeah, that's true. My <laughs> brother was always too old for me. He was always too cool for me. You know what I mean? So, if I ever wanted to play with him and his friends, I'd have to wait on them hand and foot for, you know, like a week straight before they're like, all right, you can come in and watch us play, but you have to, you can't say a word. You can only watch us. And I mean, for me, like I didn't care. You know what I mean? I was just hanging out watching them play video games. And essentially that's kind of just how I see Twitch is you're just hanging out and watching somebody play video games. (laughs) Yeah. it, It, And I guess I don't, thinking of it from a subculture standpoint, like I don't, uh, I would imagine, I mean, did you find that other girls that you were your age were playing games or were you sort of alone in that capacity? That's, that's a whole different rabbit hole, right? (laughs) So, um, I grew up with my brother and he always had his guy friends over and it was kind of like a ragtag bunch of individuals that were always at our house whether my brother was there or not they were there so I always had these guys around these older men as influences I did have girlfriends kind of in school but I was always considered like one of the guys you know Mm -hmm. but I did actually have one of my best friends was named Carrie ironically (laughs) and we played video games together all the time so I did have a couple girls that liked video games, but it was hard. One, it was hard for me to relate to girls because I mostly hung out with dudes. And two, people were few and far in between. So we, again, I had to travel really far to like hang out with people. So I had this little neighbor girl that I used to hang out with, but she she did have a Nintendo and we would play Mario and stuff. But other than that, that's kind of where that, ended so now i'm gonna get a bit serious oh god um just because i'm curious um and we sort of we were talking off stream and or in, and off pod off before the show and and i got i touched on this tad but it, i struggle a lot because i am i am in like every majority right i'm a dude I'm white. Um, I don't really subscribe to any religion these days, but I was raised, you know, in a Christian world, right? Like supermajority. <laughs> right. So, so, but I'm also like, even though get where I grew up, it seems strange. I'm also extremely liberal, right? And I don't mean that in like a like these days what you think of in the modern political framework, but um, you know, I'm just a very liberal guy, and the and I'm married to an, a you know a very successful, very intelligent, very pretty woman. Right. And mm-hmm. before I got married, I think I never probably thought about much about what it was like to be a woman 
anywhere, right? In a in in work, in social situations, and whatever. And then I think when you have a partner and a best friend, you you kind of start to have this conversation. So it's just it's interesting to me because it feels like there's there's kind of two parts of this question. Like okay, <laughs> and because I feel like. I don't think danger is the right word, but I feel like maybe as a woman streamer, and if I accidentally say anything sexist, I promise that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just, I'm actually trying to figure out how to get to what I'm getting at without sounding like an asshole. But um, I feel like, I don't think danger is the right word, but I feel like that it's different, right? For a woman, yes. like putting themselves out there, right? On camera, Absolutely. you know, on stream, um, letting Absolutely. people sort of into your life. And... So that's sort of like that side. And I'd love to hear like your thought process when you were deciding, okay, I'm going to put my face right on out on there the internet. For, for everyone to see. Um, and then, but on the other side, I feel like when you look at the streaming ecosystem, because there's obviously now like hundreds of thousands of channels. Yeah. Like I feel All like the nerdy girls have come out. They have. But on the other hand, I feel like there are people like you that legitimately love games that are legitimately into it. You know, mm -hmm. because they, again, it's, it's fun. It's like podcasting, you know, you can create content. It's an, it's, you like for to create content people can, can consume, but then you, there are a lot of people that are just like, look at my tits, you know what I mean? And oh, like, for sure. like, you know, th that's the driver. It's like, wait a second. You didn't know what a controller was until like 35 minutes ago. And now you've got a Twitch channel and you're pimping for donations and you know what I mean? Like all that sort of exactly. stuff. Oh no. And I've been to channels like that where I've, I've tried to reach out and I've tried to find other girls to interact with. Um, now that I'm, it sounds so dumb, but now that I'm older, I, I kind of crave relationships with women, like other strong women. I never had that. And I've been invited to channels and, you know, like groups for just gamer girls and stuff. And it's rough. <laughs> like I went to this one channel and this girl, God bless her. She was blessed with such beautiful melons. And <laughs> she really loved to show them. But when I went in there one day, I was like, you know, hi, like, it's nice to meet you. Like finally get to see you. She was like, yeah, I'm playing on hardcore mode and blah, 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 like trying to make herself out to be this awesome gamer. Right. And I know for a fact, because I've played that game, that she was playing on easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 100% knew she was playing on easy and I wasn't going to call her out. But at the same time, it's like, why are you lying? Don't, you know, like <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't lie to your audience and don't try to make yourself out to be someone that you're not because eventually people are going to see through that. And I guess that's kind of the hard part is I try to be very honest with everybody that I meet. Anybody who knows me personally knows that I am very blunt. I'm, I don't sugarcoat anything. I will tell you how it is. And to meet people that are really fake online it's hard to get past but it's there and a lot of people just put on these like fake personas online and then they're totally different people offline and I think there's a big stigma with that and it's hard it's it's and I think people get to the point where they don't trust in the beginning too you know what I mean like Sure. When they come to you, they have to feel you out for a bit to see, are you who you say you are? 
are you fake? Are you, you know what I mean? Yeah, of and course. I do, get, I do get a lot of questions in chat, you know, like what else do you play? How long have you been playing? Like it's, it's a different world and it's, it's hard too, because I get interrogated a lot by men, not necessarily on stream, but off stream. Like, do you think you're better because you're a woman and you can get tips or whatever? Like, no, that's, that's not the point. And I've pulled people a million times. Like I'm not here for the money. I'm here because I play video games off stream as well as on stream. If I'm not on stream playing, I'm off stream playing. <laughs> like I'm always playing video games and that's a hard stigma to get past. I guess people don't think that girls like video games that much, you know? <laughs> I can confirm that with your uh, Steam pop-ups when I'll just be yes. randomly sitting there. Yeah. I'm like, she's See, not streaming right now, but she's 100% playing games. <laughs> yeah, all the time. So do you think, I mean, so what was that like when you, I mean, or did you just, did you not think about it until after or before you made the decision to stream? Did you say, mm, I'm probably going to have to deal with some crap? I knew that I was going to have to deal with some crap. So... Um, I know you touched on earlier that I do cooking. So I was a pastry chef for a long time and I worked in a kitchen with all men. Um, actually I worked in three different kitchens at the same time. I was a pastry chef for three restaurants at the same time. And it was all men in all of the restaurants. And that was hard too. When you're a woman working in a men dominated industry, you have more to prove. And I don't want to make that sound bad, but it's true. You have to prove yourself and you have to gain that trust from them that you're not like out to get them or you are, you're, you're the real thing. You know what I mean? Like you can do just as good as them. Well, there's nothing more. Um, there's nothing more. Um, I don't know if emasculating is the right word. Um, it was though. <laughs> or, or threatening to a, an insecure man than a, a talented woman, right? Like I was, I was very fortunate and the guys that I worked with were all super sweet and I love them to pieces and I still talk to most of them. Um, so that was good. And that's actually how I met my husband was we ended up working in the same kitchen together. Mm. So, I mean, some good came out of it, but Again, with streaming, I knew that I was going to have to deal with some bullshit when I got on there. And I think I've mentioned this before. If I go on stream and I don't have a camera, my viewership drops exponentially. Which is so it, gross. It's kind of kind of creepy, right? Yeah, it's gross. Super <laughs> so gross. creepy. I mean, I don't so, watch if you don't have a cam up, but it's. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. It, I mean, again, that's such a... Yeah. But it's true. Yeah, of course. Sucks. And I go in that knowing, like, all right, well, I'm going to have an on-stream day or an on-camera day. So, you know, it's going to it's gonna be a rough night or a slow night. But yeah, I, sometimes you just don't want to have a camera on your face, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and again, my, <laughs> me my medium doesn't have visuals, you know what I mean? Like in the podcast world. So it's something that's also just weird because I don't... It's not, you know, it's just not a consideration in what I do. And obviously it's also not live generally. So it's just super different. But again, also too, I'm a dude. Like I feel like I, and again, I guess my point of that is I'm constantly trying to put myself in situations. And obviously my wife has helped me with this a lot over the years to try to 
empathize, if that's the right word, um, or rather, you know, think about it from a different perspective. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, she's been, she works in television, right? Which same thing, right? I mean, she's literally been in those situations where guys in charge have been like, do things for me. And if you want to succeed. Oh right? yeah. And fortunately she was like, I'm talented. Go fuck yourself. Right. Like I'll be, Good all, for her. I'll be all right. You know what I mean? And she's gotten very far, but, but I feel bad because it, you know, she's got a ton of self-esteem and, and I know there are other people that don't. And you know, what happens when those people are put in that terrible situation, you know what I mean? They feel like they're, you know, like they're victims. Right. And well, that's it's true though. And I'm not, I'm not a very big girl. Like I'm five, two and most of my life I've been like 120 pounds. So I'm like kidnappable and sellable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so I feel like a lot of times people feel like they can push me around cause I'm little, but growing up with brothers, I mean, I've one thing he did teach me was to kind of you know, you can either get your ass kicked or you can fight back. And I've always been the kind of person to fight back. I've never been one to give up and settle. You know, I remember one time I was on the playground and I got sent to timeout and they put you up like against a brick wall where a teacher could watch you, you know, and that was like your timeout. You just had to stand there. Mm -hmm. And there was this older boy there and he was picking on me and he was making fun of me and I grabbed him and threw him into the wall <laughs> and he hit his head on the wall and he started crying and I got in so much trouble uh, but for some reason I like specifically remember like you know like how dare you make me feel this way you know and like mm -hmm. I just got so mad and I just shoved him into the wall but I've always kind of had that fight I think yeah, that's great. I mean, and you know, I don't, and I guess too, it's weird. Like, I feel like I also just, this is where generationally, and I never thought I would be old enough, I think, to where you start to think of yourself as like being in a different generation than people. And like, I grew up differently than you, you know what I mean? But I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 45, I turned 45 last month. And, um, it, I know there were things that were okay when I was a kid that are not okay anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But on the other hand, I feel like sometimes the, now I'm getting far afield, but now I'm just interested in what you think about this. Um, and fortunately I don't have to deal with this cause I've been married for 14 years. Right. So, and, and, and the last thing I'd ever want to do is be single again. But on the other hand, it's like, I think that, definitely we're better that people are aware of like not objectifying women, not feeling like women are inferior, not, um, you know, feeling like they're, they're all they are is what you see, right? Like all those sorts of things. However, and again, I'm not single, but I have single friends and a lot of my friends now are like, well, it's weird though, because almost now, if you think someone's attractive and you indicate that you think they're attractive, which is where I think it all starts, because the first thing before you know anyone is you're probably going to see them, right? Unless you meet them in absolutely online thing that somehow now it's swung way far in the other direction where it's like, if I feel like a scumbag just because I think someone's pretty or handsome or whatever. And I'm, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm really glad I'm not single, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's a bad thing though. Like 
I'm going to tell you one thing. If I don't think you're attractive, I'm not going to be with you. And I don't care how shallow that sounds. Like <laughs> you have to think that the person that you're with is somewhat attractive, right? Like you have to be attractive then. Like I don't want to get graphic or anything, but like you're taking this person to bed. Like you got to look at them, you know, you sure. have to, there's, there's something about a personality of course and how they make you feel and all of that. That's really important, but you have to be attractive to the person you're with. You do. Like, you do. 100%. And I know that when I was growing up, it was a big thing where like, oh, well, you know, it's it's not the looks, it's their personality. No, it absolutely is their looks. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be attracted to you. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, it, you can call me shallow. I don't care. It's, but if I don't feel warm and fuzzy when I look at you or when you're just waking up and I can't be like, man, he's cute, you know? <laughs> Like, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I think it's shallow if that's the only thing. You know, I mean, that's the tr- the hook, right? If that's the only well, yeah. thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, there's women that are like, oh, he's got to be hot and he's got to have a million dollars and he's got to got a great car. Like, no, like, I don't care about any of that. Like, money isn't a big deal to me at all. I don't care what you have. I'm not materialistic at all. But you have to have, you have to be a good person. And I think that personality does make you a little more attractive, but you have to still be partially attractive to that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, of course. And that was the thing I was going to say is like, I do think a hundred percent, like there are people over the course of my life, my wife included that I thought were beautiful the first time I ever saw them. But then after I got to know them, it like almost takes it to a different, like a different level. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But you know, the other side of that is, that 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 doesn't also mean that attractive is the same for everybody. That's where I think people get disconnected, no. right? Like this idea Absolutely of not. Heidi Klum and you know what I mean, where somebody paints this image of what is supposed to be beautiful and everything that doesn't fit in that box. You know, so yeah, if you're one of those people too, and believe me, like growing up as an athlete, you know, playing baseball until I was 23 years old and in the South, you know, which is, can be a little backwards. Like you were like the prime piece of man meat. Well, no, I mean, I'm saying on the other (laughs) end, like most of the guys that I knew it, you know, especially when we were younger, like they were just out looking for like that kind of playboy playmate kind of girl, the trophy wife, but they didn't even, but no, that's the thing. They didn't even want a wife, right? Like they were just looking to run around and get I'm laid. Saying, like the trophy wife, the, the yeah. piece of arm candy. You yeah, know? for sure. And you know, and then that's just such a, a crazy thing, but it's just, it's, I mean, again, I'm glad that people are now more aware. Um, and I think this dovetails back into your bit about the internet and a girl like in Twitch and putting yourself out there because it's. It, I think it's actually more dangerous now with the proliferation of online stuff. And I don't mean necessarily physically dangerous, but because to your point, like people can, they're, they're effectively anonymous and absolutely, you, you know, you and they're watching me. <laughs> yeah. And there's no social con- literally watching me. Yeah. And there's no social contract to hold them in place. Right. Like if you absolutely. were in a grocery store, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Somebody wouldn't just jump out from aisle seven and go nice tits, but someone could no, easily drop into them in the face, right? But someone could <laughs> easily drop into chat and do that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they absolutely do, right? And uh, so 
that's, literally, yeah. this week, someone was like, hey, do you mind if I unzip my pants in your face? Oh, Jesus Christ. So it's like you have that barrier, this this internet barrier, you know, where people <laughs> feel like they can be macho man, but you know damn straight that person would not say that to your face in public. Oh, we're we're so for those listening to the podcast, we're streaming this live on Twitch and we've talked about Twitch with Jeremy, but while the stream is going on, there's a window with chat um <laughs> that is going like real time and um <laughs> Lord James Delaney, he just couldn't help himself. Um, nice boobs, Kurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, Thanks. He's he's not. He's kidding, though. If you uh, look up Lord James Delaney, he's not being serious. Um, and it's weird too, like how rela- thinking about relationships because I've actually been in your chat when people have come in, and mm-hmm. because and this is sort of an interesting phenomenon that I talked about with Lopez about like the idea of like these shared communities. And I feel like there's a handful of you guys where, you know, like you and Lopez and Rick and you, you know, it's like where people sort of, it's like almost like the thing I always used to say is in a, um, um, like we're in the, where you go hang out, there was like four or five bars and you, everybody would just float around between all the different bars. Like mm-hmm. that's how I feel like all y'all's channels. Like I kind of know all the players. So true. Right? Like So you know. true. If I'm bored one night and I know that somebody's online, I can just go hang on that channel. I'm like, I'm going to know at least 10 people here and I can just go chat with them. But also you're just chatting with the same people all the time. But what's funny about it is, is then you sort of again, build the relationships. And I don't know if my experience is a little different because I actually am friends with Lopez in real life. Right. right. Like hang out, go get beers, go to dinner, friends. Right. Yeah. So, I don't think I really have anybody, nobody that hangs out in my chat. I know personally, but so that is a little different. Yeah. But the thing that's so, so I think, I don't know if maybe I'm more vested in what he's, well, I shouldn't say that. I do. I am more vested in what he does because right we have a a relationship um but it's almost weird how it spiders out because what i was driving got a long way around that what i was getting at was like i've been in your <laughs> chat before when some dickhead comes into chat and says something inappropriate and all of a sudden i feel like i'm one of your brothers and i want to reach through the <laughs> screen and like choke him by the throat you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. it, it, it's it's a weird sort of protective kind of my instant reaction is to be very protective. Protective. Yeah. And communities get like that, man. Like there's a lot of people that are in my chat that are there all the time. And if something were to happen or if somebody says something, like one day somebody said something and I literally just watched chat rip them apart. I didn't have to say a thing. And chat just attacked them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody gets protective like that. And that's, it's great. It's, it's nice to have that community and that family. It's, I don't know. It's kind of humbling. It's interesting. I mean, it, it does create, and I don't, and my experience is a little strange um, when you think, and I, and I, I hesitate again, trying to find the right word. Um, maybe notoriety is is the word i mean you know fame you can't i don't famous i don't know if you can say famous that, that's sort of relative right like right I, but i do think notoriety or or you know there are potentially because you have elected to put content out there 
right, for people to consume. There are people that know you and you don't know them. That to me is what I think. That's how I, in my mind, I think about what fame is. Like sometimes it's on a massive scale, right? If you're Brad Pitt, where like the entire planet knows yeah, who you are. Yeah, I, I never and, thought of it that way. And Brad honestly. Pitt knows like hit the 20 people that he's friends with. Um, right. But, you know, gr- you know, you guys streaming 20, 30, 50 people, you know, come online to watch you guys stream. And it's entirely possible that there are people that are in there that don't interact with chat very much, that don't, that absolutely know who you are. They know about you because they hear us all talking or whatever. And you don't, you may not, not only do you not know anything about them, you might not even know that they exist. Um, so, so there's an element of notoriety, right, that I think exists. Any, it's the same thing with my podcast. Like, I, I've gotten notes from people that I do not know, right? Like, that just was like, hey, I liked, really like this podcast. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And like, why would no, you? exactly. Like, why would you listen to it? Like, that's great. But it seems crazy that you would have listened to it, right? Um, But... It is a very bizarre because so I have some experience with that because earlier in my life, I was in a, I was a musician and was in a band and we toured and played around. And that's a thing you're playing. You're performing, right? Like you're performing for people and you don't know hardly. Oh, any, yeah. Any There's going to be a lot of people who know you and you don't know them. Yeah. You don't know them. And obviously my wife, I mean, that's her. I mean, she really does. I mean, you know, she's on television. So like that's a whole different you know, animal and did a morning radio show in Atlanta for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's even weirder with local. Cause strangely enough, she's been on CNN. She's been working at CNN for almost 30 years. And I think people know her more from do in Atlanta, from doing radio in Atlanta than doing national news, which yeah. is a little, I mean, I get it right. Because that's a smaller, you know, the, the ecosystem is smaller a little community. bit smaller. Yeah, exactly. But it is just very, very strange. And it was, we were actually, we got, we dated and got engaged when she was doing and got married when she was doing radio. And so, you know, morning radio is a lot about the lives of the people hosting the show. And so effectively our entire personal engagement, we covered, there was lots of topics about leading up to the wedding, you know, that got, they talked about them, people called in and like still to this day, 15 years later, like we could be in like a Kroger or a Publix or something, a grocery store. And people will walk up to us and be like, Oh my gosh, when you guys got married and we're like, who are you? Were you <laughs> no, were, hello? Were, yeah. Hello. Hey I'm like, you. <laughs> I'm like, were you there? And they're like, Oh no, we just heard about it on the radio. And I think we're, I mean, I'm probably a little desensitized to it, right. To a degree. Um, because I've, it's been in my background, but you know, with these platforms now where, you know, you are basically curating a, 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 a television channel, you know what I mean? Like, a, I, I mean, yeah. And, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I put my life out there every time I stream, like people are free to ask me questions. We hang out. It's like hanging out with a bunch of friends and you do, you, you put your whole life out there. And I do try to keep, you know, a lot of the details out. Obviously, like I never give away location and I rarely talk about my husband because believe it or not, that's a huge stigma on chat. Like a lot of guys I've had be like, ew, you're married. And then they leave or you never see him again, which good riddance. Probably better know, than but- they do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But again, I try to keep some of my personal life out of streaming. 
But at the same time, like I'm there for eight, nine hours a day. It's like a job, but fun. (laughs) Well, sure. And I mean, honestly, it could be. I mean, for some people, it is a job. Which is also for some people, it is a sort job. of a yeah. um, J pod, um, <laughs> but um, uh, do you feel like um, has you was it what was I mean what was it that made you go I'm gonna go do this thing like did you just see people doing it and thought that'd be fun did somebody prod you into it like what was the the genesis. Yeah, of- that guy that I worked with, he was like, "You should do this. You should do this. You could make money doing this." So and that I guess oh, that was it. Like I thought I you were just first talking generally. Got into it. I was like, "Yeah, I can play video games. I can make money." And like that was the idea was getting into it at first. Money was the goal, right? Like everybody thinks that they're gonna get on, they're gonna get famous, they're gonna make money, and it's gonna be great. It's not that. <laughs> like if you are going to Twitch to make money. It's your, you missed the boat, my friend. Mm. I hate to say it, but it's long gone and you're going to drown before you get there. I, I even told chat the other day, I streamed for 10 and a half hours and I made about 50 cents an hour. So, <laughs> I mean, if that kind of money sounds good to you, great. Like by all <laughs> means, my friend, but I am a hundred percent not in it for the money anymore. It's just kind of, it's that interaction. And again, like I said, I came from a really small town and I've moved like four or five times in the last nine years. So for me, having this kind of interaction with other people is kind of my escape. I never, I try not to mix business and pleasure. And by that, I mean, I don't really hang out with people that I work with. I try to keep that business life and home life separate. So to have this kind of outlet to talk to people and meet friends and all of that is really nice. And I mean, I've met people that I've played video games with and people think I'm crazy, but it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, I know this person. I've been you know, playing games with them for a couple of years. And they're like, that's not knowing somebody. I'm like, you don't understand. And I think it's a big thing when I explain to people what I do, I pretty much just tell them now that I broadcast. I'm like, you know, I just broadcast like, you know, computer stuff. I don't tell them like, oh, I play video games online to people. People think it's weird and they look at me weird when I when I say that. (laughs) I do think, though, it is a lot about age and what people are comfortable with, though. Right. I mean, because it's. um. Older generations, especially like even people that are around my age, they just don't, they don't have any experience with it. And so it seems strange. They don't get it to them. I've had to explain it to my mom and she, I don't think really gets it. (laughs) She's like, oh, are you doing that stream thing? Yeah, mom, I'm doing the stream thing. Yeah. And I I mean, mean, and I even said, even in my own mind, sometimes it seems weird, but not, but like I, I talked about when I podcasted with Lopez about, um, about meeting Rick loves bacon, um, Rick loves bacon is a, another streamer that's kind of in our, you know, in the kind of circle of circle. Yeah. In, in the circle. <laughs> in our bars. That's right. And, um, <laughs> uh, I just, he's, you know, 
that's what I meant earlier. Like I've interacted with Rick enough in other people's streams in his stream. You know, when he said he was coming to Atlanta for DreamHack, I was like, I can't wait wait to meet that dude. And it was everything I expected and more. You know what I mean? Like he's just such a sweetheart. You know, and it's and it's funny like the the story we told we were I walked into the bar where we were all meeting and like I was on one end it was like a really terrible like eighties rom com like I saw him where like, you like a, run through the field and I, you're like no like getting ready to just like hug each other <laughs> but no that's what happened like I pushed through the crowd and I didn't say shit I just wrapped my arms around him yeah right? like and it just is so I mean I've it's just no a a a, a personal stranger not a stranger. But, you know, no one I'd ever personally met in in live before. And it's um, it just was. And it, it wasn't weird. It was a, like we had the best time. You know what I mean? But then when I tell the story, I was like, OK, I guess probably if you've ne- if you're not familiar with the, the universe and how it all works. Like, yeah, I could see where maybe you think that's weird. But yeah. for, fortunately, it's totally not. And also, I'm a person that really doesn't care what other people think. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's weird, too, coming from, like, the the viewer side, too, right? Because you're the one who's interacting with the streamer. So anything you say to them, like, you kind of, you get their personality by talking to them. Like, you, you hear how I speak, and that kind of gives you an idea of my demeanor or how I act and respond to things. So when you finally get around to meeting these people, it's like, it's no different. It's so weird. It's so hard to explain. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, they're exactly how you thought they were going to be. Yeah. And it's comfortable and it's fun. And it's such a, such a great world we live in, right? Like you can meet people online and. I mean, obviously with caution, you don't want to get like cut up in somebody's basement or something, but I feel like we live in a very, uh, in a very Spider-Man time in history right now, like with great power (laughs) comes great responsibility. Yes. Um, Yes, absolutely. The internet is a unbelievable tool that has the power to do so much good and yet so much evil all at the same time. (laughs) I feel like it does more evil than good, but there's that yin and that yang still. Yeah, it probably does. I mean, but you know, it's, it's an interest. And again, culturally for me, it's a strange thing because like the internet didn't really show up in, uh, in a common use scenario until I was in college. You know, like email became a thing while I was a college student. Like when I took computer science as a freshman, like 125, which was like the f- the first year course, it was all DOS, like C prompt stuff. Oh, man. Like, that's how old I am. Um, But, you know, so it's even for me, like in my age, people are relatively new, you know, conceptually new. It certainly wasn't something we had as as kids. Um, And there's so much information. I mean, that's sort of the trick is there's so much information available, which is unbelievable, but, um, I think it's terrible. (laughs) You do. Yeah. We just have, and I was talking to somebody the other day about this. So I was at work and this mom comes in with her kid, right. And the kid's running around and she just wants him to sit down and 
He was probably like five or six, you know, and all she does is hands him the phone or a tablet. And yeah, it's great that we have the internet and all of this like endless knowledge at our fingertips, but what we do with it is not what we should be doing with it. You know what I mean? Like getting your kid to sit down and shut up by playing on a tablet until you're done doing what you're doing. Like we didn't have that, right? Like I remember constantly being bored with my mom shopping, you know, in the clothing (laughs) aisle. Like I hated going to the clothing aisle. I was like (laughs) my most dreaded moment about going to the store with my mom was the clothing aisle. And I would just hide in like clothes racks. And my mom later told me, she was like, I would lose you all the time. And I couldn't figure out where you'd go. And it's like, I thought I was a horrible mother, but you're just hiding in the clothes racks all the time. But like (laughs) kids being able to find ways to entertain themselves when they're bored is important. Like giving them a tablet or a phone or something to entertain their mind isn't teaching them good I don't know how do you explain that just kids need to be bored sometimes you know yeah well I mean I think it becomes yeah I mean you've got to find well I think what you're driving at is that it it creates a circumstance where they're forced to use their creativity and their imagination to entertain themselves instead of it all just being presented to them with flashy lights and graphics absolutely you know, yeah. and that sort of thing. So, and again, we don't have children, so this is also weird territory Neither for me. Neither do I, you know, and if I was a mom with a screaming child in the store, I'd probably <laughs> throw a phone at him to get him to shut up too, you know, like, all right, fuck, shut up, okay? But but at the same time, like, it's, these are the the children you're teaching. You're not teaching people that can sit still and be patient. Like, we want I notice with younger people now that they need it now, now, now. You know what I mean? Well, I I also, again, sorry for parents out there, and I'm going to speak totally out of turn, not having kids, but also to think, like, we've got these kids all hopped up on drugs. They're diagnosed with these, you know, these emotional, you know, and psychological conditions that wasn't a thing when I was a kid. And, and again, I'm not even saying that I, I know there are kids that legitimately have issues, right, that need to get dealt with. But on the flip side, I know for a fact and I don't want to say where, because some of those people, you know, know people that are listening to this, but like, I know for a fact, there are people that the kids are just being normal kids and parents don't want to deal with it. And so they're just, they medicate them and it's just, yeah. which is just terrible. And, but also the other thing too, is I, you know, and if you're, you're from a rural place like me, you know, and my wife can't even wrap her head around this. I mean, you know, I, again, I'm from a the, the country in Georgia and she's a Jew from Chicago. Um, I got my first 22 rifle when I was six, seven years old. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we lived on, you know, and that's the thing is like now I think people equate land to money, but like where I grew up, there was land and spades. It didn't cost anything, right? We lived in a little shitty house like my grandfather built on four, five, six acres, which people that live in cities are like five acres. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, yeah. It, where land, you know, I can still go to where I grew up and you can buy an acre of land for like $2,500. Which most people are like, there's no way. Because, you know, you come to Atlanta and like one acre of land is like $150,000 or $500,000, depending on where it is. And um, 
so land was rife, but you know, you could just go run around the woods. I wasn't worried about shooting somebody or, I mean, I only had the thing I worry about doing was hurting myself. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't going to hurt anyone else. Um, but nowadays, like, I think if somebody found out that I, we had kids and I gave my six year old a rifle, they'd call damn defects on me. Oh, probably. Absolutely. And I mean, when I was young, so we kind of touched on this a little bit before the stream, but like I literally grew up in the middle of the woods and I really mean that like it was just like a circle carved out in the middle of a forest. Like imagine like the shape of a lollipop and the stick is the driveway and then the top of the lollipop is like where the house was and we lived in the woods and we did nothing but go outside and push down dead trees and play in the creek or go fishing or my dad was really big on hunting. Like we were by no means a wealthy family. We ate a lot of what my dad hunted. So, I mean, he, <laughs> I grew up with a gun leaning up against the back door. Yeah. And if he, one time I like watched him get up to like go to the kitchen to like get something to eat or drink. And he like walks past the back door sees a deer like double takes goes and grabs the gun shoots it puts it down and he's like i'll be back in a couple hours and he just goes out and gets dinner <laughs> like that's it a- sounds redneck and it is but that's how it was and i had a four-wheeler when i was really young yeah. i mean i'm talking like 11 or 12 i was riding my own four-wheeler around like we just it's a different world now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. But again, I think to your point, it's like, how far does the pendulum swing? Because I feel like, you know, is it a good idea? I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's a problem with a seven year old having a gun, like a reasonable gun in the right circumstances. But again, I don't think it's ubiquitous either. Like I wouldn't say universally. It's like, sure, let's, you know, like that's a great idea. Let's, you know, get Red Rider. But I mean, we were taught like you don't play with a gun that's hanging out by the back door. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we're not just going to get up and shoot somebody with it. Yeah, absolutely. But this is meant for hunting and this is what you do with it. Yeah, but like, I mean, but I was out, you know, again, case in point, no phone. I was out in the, you know, I was building a fort or, you know what I mean? Like throwing, you know, climbing trees and it all sounds literally throwing rocks at trees. Yeah. (laughs) Pushing down dead trees, looking for salamanders or who knows, man. Like, who knows what I was even doing? But like, we had, we had a lot of property too. We probably had like 20, 30 acres. Yeah. And I would just, ride the four around, make my own trails. Was it smart for like a 14 year old <laughs> going off for a few hours on a four wheeler by herself making trails? Probably not, but there I was. <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, we, I had a go-kart, not a four wheeler, but same, like, I, you know, and Ooh, driving like 30 miles an hour between like trees, you know, you easily could have just face planted into one of those things and didn't wait a second. So why does do I look? Mod Kerb says he thinks I'm wearing. Looks like I'm wearing makeup. No. <laughs> Mod. No. <laughs> you clearly have never seen me in makeup. If you think this, that's what this looks like. So. On um, Sean's next show. No. Yeah. <laughs> what, now he now he's surprised that I can see chat. Like, do you think I not don't know how to work a computer, Mod? I've <laughs> <laughs> never done this before, you dick. Um. <laughs> So what, what, um, what, what made you decide to get away from food? 
Oh, God. Have you ever worked in a kitchen? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I've been a server. I never worked in a kitchen, but I've worked in a restaurant. It's like, well, it's I probably mean, the hardest work I've ever done, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, the work was good, kind of. Yes and no. Uh, some days I would work like 16 hours, uh, which was a lot for me at, in the long run. And I think that's probably what's looking back is probably what contributed to some of my health problems that I deal with now. Um, like I have a really sensitive stomach now. And I think a lot of that was because when you're in a kitchen, man, you just, you don't eat mm -hmm. for 12 hours or whatever. So I was a ironically, too, so I was, I always had like chocolate. Yeah. Right. So weird. So I always had like chocolate on my station or I had to do the, the owner wanted chocolate desserts on the menu. So I always had chocolate around and I would eat a lot of chocolate. And apparently that's really bad for your stomach. Mm. Um, so I actually ended up developing um, esophagitis when I was like 21 or 22. And the doctor was like, yeah, I've never seen it this bad in a kid your age. Like usually it's somebody like 40s and 50s and they're alcoholics and they smoke. And it was kind of like an eye opener for me. Like, wow, I'm just not taking care of myself. And then um, one day I was talking with my chef and he asked, you know, what do you want to do, you know, with your life or whatever? You know, I told him, you know, I love cooking. Like cooking has always been a really big part of my life. My dad cooked for the family and my grandma was a really big baker. Like I always spent a lot of time with my grandma baking. She taught me how to do a lot. And I'm a self-taught chef, actually. I, I never went, I did like a little bit of culinary school in high school, but it's not like a real, you know, degree in culinary. Um, but I told him, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to do that. And he's like, do you think, you know, you can do that here? And I was like, yeah, you know, I love you guys. And I like working here. He's like, that's not what I asked you. And I was like, okay. And he's like, have you learned everything you think that you can learn here? And I was like, well, no. And he's like, well, what if I tell you your job's not available next summer? He's like, then what would you do? And I'm like, I guess I would, you know, maybe move and, you know, find someplace else. And he's like, well, your job's not available next summer. So I was like, well, shit. <laughs> so I think he kind of saw some potential in me and he just knew that it was never going to amount to anything where I was and he's probably right. So, um, it kind of worked out cause the roommate that I had at the time was kind of like, Oh, by the way, I'm moving out at the end of the month. And I was like, Oh shit. So not only was I not going to have a job next summer, I didn't have a roommate. And the guy that I just started dating was like, yeah, you know, I'll move to the next city with you. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I've only known him for like four months. So I was like really paranoid about that. But then I got a job as a baker and that was a lot of fun. I really liked that. It was kind of like in this like hippie, all natural leavened place. It was like this whole new world, right? I was with all these like cool hipster people. And then that was fun for a while, but it was bought out by this like blue collar guy that just wanted money, 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 money. And he changed everything. And I didn't like it. And then my husband got a job, which required us to move again. So we moved and I had a lot of experience in retail. 
And that was the easiest job I could find when we moved. So I did that and I just never went back to cooking. Hmm. But you still enjoy it. I kind of just fell out of it, I guess. But you still enjoy cooking, right? I love cooking and I do cooking streams sometime even. I've always kind of had like this like dream of having your own cooking show, you know, like baking with Carrie or who knows, you know, but like it was always kind of in my head that I always wanted to be really good at cooking and it just kind of fell through, you know, life happens and you get kind of pulled in one direction and then you get pulled in another direction and then being in a kitchen is really hard to anybody that's in the food service industry knows that like, you know, before all these laws were passed where jobs have to provide you health insurance, no kitchen I was ever in ever provided health insurance. Like mm. there's no insurance, especially in like little mom and pop shops. Like that's, it's, it was hard. I never had insurance. I never had, you know, benefits of any kind. And it's, it's hard to get that in a kitchen. So, and again, it's, it's hard being a woman in a kitchen, mm-hmm. especially being a pastry chef. Most restaurants only have like one or two or three people doing pastries. So it's a very niche position. So for me to find that position in a new place that's already been established, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I think you should. Yeah. I mean, the cooking show stuff is great. I think I I don't know that I've ever caught a cooking stream, but that's something I would for sure watch. One of the interesting total side note, like that was when I was in the hospital. Um, So, you know, the nature of what was wrong with me, I actually couldn't eat any food for, I guess, from July of 20. I got sick on July 14th, 2018. And the next time I ate solid food, like by mouth was February, January or February of 2019. Oh my God. So it was probably seven months, but you know, I couldn't eat six, seven months. And, uh, but the entire time I was in the hospital, I just watched wall to wall food network. And it's the weirdest thing because the doctors were like, it's the strangest phenomenon. This is it. It's almost universal. Like that's what people do, but it didn't make you hungry. It didn't cause you sort of are dealing with what you're dealing with and you understand the reality of it. And I don't know if it's maybe hitting those triggers in your brain, you know, or whatever, or help because you can't, you know, whatever. But now I'm such a junkie. Like I watch the food network still I love food network all the time, but I think you, I think you would be really good at that. If you get a chance, you should check out, um, you should check out, uh, one of my podcasts. I can't remember which episode, but a really, really good friend of mine. If you ever want me to introduce to him, I'm happy to, but his name's Chadwick Boyd. And, um, he, he started a company in Atlanta that he's relocated to New York and he started out as an actor. Like he was in, he, he wasn't, I think he was a named part, but not anyone you, you would remember, but he was in dead poet society and he did some other movies And, um, but then he got really into food and he started a food, like a, I mean, he, now he's a sort of a a chef and he, he does television shows and he's doing a baking show on the Hallmark channel. And that's what he did. Like he sort of just repositioned himself and now he's a sort of food and lifestyle expert and he does TV and, um, he's doing these things now, which is really cool called real food, where if you go in to watch a movie at the movie theater, they produce like real quick, like two to five minute cooking segments that go on while you're before the previews come up like when you're sitting <laughs> in a, in movie theaters 
Um, but anyway, um, he's just a great guy and a similar story, right? Like he just, and again, not a ton of formal training. I think now over time he goes and has done classwork, but it's not like he went oh, to, yeah, I'm sure. he didn't go to CIA or, you know, Cordon Bleu or, you know what I mean? Like any of that, like he just was yeah. self-taught and then was around, you know, worked in restaurants and was around people that knew what they were doing. And, um, and he's a good guy, but I, I would encourage you to, I mean, I, I, I think that's awesome. Like I would, Oh, Maude asked, how do you go seven months without eating? Well, I didn't eat by mouth. So I had a, they, they, they have, they hang, they have a tube that, it, that not to get too graphic, but basically there's a, they put a tube in your stomach and it, you know, you hang a bag and it just, it dumps it right into your, right into your small intestine. basically. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Like, so, you know, because you can't, you, you, they sort of take your stomach out of the equation because at that point they're just at that point it's not about eating it's just about giving you the the, uh, the stuff you need to keep you from dying which is how I went from to 6'4 240 pounds to the day I walked out of the hospital I was 6'4 158 pounds oh my gosh so um which is crazy and now I'm back up to like 180 and um trying to get back up to like 2 to 10 but um but yeah I don't advise it if you want to lose weight, there are better ways. I don't, I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> not that you did it by choice or anything. Yeah. But, but I don't, I wouldn't suggest going, going that route. <laughs> it's not, um, <laughs> it's not super fun. Um, the other thing that I think that's really interesting because I've, I don't know much about this. I'm making some assumptions because of things I've seen and little comments, but so you're really into cosplay, right? I used to be. So I feel like that's maybe similar in a sense that um, that's very communal, right? Like people that, like we have this this con, this con here called Dragon Con in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. mean, my friends that are into that, like they count, like honestly, like five minutes after it's over, they're counting that shit down for next year. Like they cannot wait. So that's like a whole different beast is cosplay, right? So convention life is so much different. Like being online and being on Twitch is one thing where I can like, I go live when I want, I talk to who I want, you know, I do this, I do that. It's fine. But when you go to conventions, you are in front of these people. Like you are face to face with these (laughs) interactions. doesn't matter how awkward it is you're face to face with these people. And I mean, it's fun. I've met a lot of really cool people and I've met a lot of really weird people. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you meet those people that you see in movies that you're like, this is so unrealistic. These people don't exist. They exist. (laughs) They really exist. Um, But that was, that was an interesting adventure, I guess an old, friend of mine uh she's actually more of like a friend of the family so it was like my mom's best friend her daughter uh we used to go to like christmas parties with them and that's how i knew her but she's much older than me i think she's like i guess i shouldn't say much she's like six years older than me so you know she was too old for to like hang out with me you know until i became an adult but she just randomly got a hold of me and she was like hey take this time off work And I swear to God, I didn't talk to her for like 10 years. And I was like, okay, sweet. What are we doing? And she was like, oh, we're going to go to Chicago and we're going to go to C2E2. And I was like, okay, sweet. So I just, 
I just did it. And she's like, you know, so I guess she heard about cosplay before I did, obviously, because she was like, I'm going to dress up and I'm going to dress up as this. And she's a big gamer, too. Uh, she did a lot of like, wow, which I was never like really into, but she played a lot of games on like Xbox and stuff. And we decided to go to a convention together and dress up. And that was really our first experience with cosplay. And as soon as we walked in the door, we were like bombarded with all of these people with their like cameras wanting to take pictures with us. And it was this like crazy, surreal experience of talk about being famous, right? Like no regular person has ever had that many people come up to them and just stop them and want to take pictures with them. It's really weird. And I remember just getting this huge anxiety all of a sudden that all of these people were around me and wanting to take my picture. And uh, after that, though, so it was three days of that. And it was a lot of fun. And then after that, we were like, wow, that was great. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of this like rushed, right? So we started planning costumes together. We're like, okay, well, we did like this femme Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy, like female versions of these characters. And we went to a convention like that. And then she was really into Silent Hill. And I was too. That was one of the first PlayStation games I ever played. I think I was like 12. It was really scary. And, you know, like you thought the graphics were amazing and it was terrifying. And I loved it. So she decided to go as Pyramid Head and I was one of the nurses. And we decided to go to C2E2 with that. And I swear to God, it took us four hours to even get into the convention because we couldn't move. So many people were trying to take pictures with us. And it was a lot of fun, but it's expensive, man. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's so expensive and it's so time consuming. And I think that was kind of where I fell out. I, uh, I ran out of space. I ran out of time. I ran out of money. <laughs> and that's like another thing, like you don't make money off of cosplay. Right. Yeah. And I mean, now there's new outlets, right? There's Patreon mm-hmm. uh, where people can like help support you, which I never got into. Like that was past, past me at that point. Um, I did have a Twitter though. And actually only recently did I switch over my Instagram and my Twitter to Curdy live rather than Carrie cosplays because I've just kind of switched over to the Twitch thing mm-hmm. rather than the cosplay thing. Yeah, that one's interesting. Like, I have so many friends that do it. I It's funny. Like, I despise Halloween. It's, like, my least favorite holiday ever. Um, You're a monster. I, I know. It's I get it. <laughs> and it drives my wife crazy because she's the opposite. Like, she wants to just go full bore, right? Like, the whole... Yeah. Um, And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'm lazy. Um. I don't know if it's because I hate kids. It's probably some combination of all that. Um, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> um, I, I shouldn't say I hate kids. I don't like a lot of kids. Um, nope. Cats out of the bag. Yeah. Um, mostly because I feel like the parents have, you know, set them up to fail. But uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, but like it's a, I mean, I know people that like that is, I mean, they do not mess around. Like I know I can start to see like the social media posts about like six months out when the costume planning starts. Yeah, but I think a lot of that has to come down to like, I mean, come on. When you were younger, you had to, there was a character that 
you watched on TV and you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's that movie you've seen a hundred times. And there was that one character that you're like, man, I wish I could be them. Or you pretended to be them on the playground or when you were hanging out at home by yourself, you, you know, you were pretending to be this character. And I think that's a lot where it comes down to is a lot of these people get really empowered by yeah dressing up as these people. So I did, um, and this one was, again, I, I sucked at cosplay, man. I was so bad at it. I just never finished my costumes on time. And then once, (laughs) once the convention was over, I never went back to it. I have the same problem with video games. I'll like start a video game and I just never finish it. It's a huge issue for me. I have like a shelf of shame of like video games I've never finished. And now my steam list is just, you know, a list of shame of all of these games that I never finish. But cosplay was kind of the same thing for me. I would, have this idea for a costume and one of my favorite movies to this day is the fifth element and Lilu from the fifth element was like mm. this badass yeah. strong woman and I always just wanted to be her right so I decided I got this bright idea like I'm gonna be Lilu from the fifth element and I did it and it was like it was so much fun when you become these characters you meet these other people that when you see them at these conventions it's not like hey carrie it's hey lilu (laughs) you know like they call you out by your character's name or they'll interact with you based on your character and it's this nerdum it's this fandom it's it's a life to them i don't i don't know it's it's so hard to explain. And I think kind of like the same thing comes down to Halloween. It's not about like mummies and werewolves and Dracula. You know, it's it's your fandom. Like, who do you want to be for that one night when you don't have to be yourself? Multipass. <laughs> Multipass. Um, the <laughs> sci-fi darling Mila Jovovich um, as Lilu, because she was also Jill Valentine, wasn't she? in uh, the resident evil movies. Yes. Yep. Um, that was my first game. You mentioned your first Sony PlayStation game. That was college for me. Like we got the PlayStation in our apartment in college. And I remember that got the first resident evil and I'll never forget every time you, I think crash bandicoot was probably the first for me. Every time you open it up, RE, it was the opening scene with the helicopter coming in. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, that sound, I still, if I hear a helicopter sound, it makes me think You're about. You're like, ears perk up. Yeah. The the opening of, of RE1. Um, yeah. I'm the opposite on games. I'm a completionist. So I'm. I a, am now. I'm on I'm the, the other side whore. now. Well, yeah, me too. But it. To like, the, I got to finish it. Yeah. To the point of it being a, like a problem. Like when I get, cause I also really love RPGs and that those sorts of games. And so it's like yeah, the ones too. that have 7,500 of these little side missions and, you know, find yeah. these things. And I'm running around like, like I love the Assassin's Creed series and it's like all the little chests oh, and, you know, the little, um, the animus pieces, you know, and all that yep. stuff. Like I just will for weeks, like I won't do anything except for running around on buildings trying to find like the animus pieces and it's really I just did that on the switch with Link's Awakening you have to find these 50 secret seashells <laughs> and I can't stop can't stop I'm at like 38 of them and I can't freaking beat the game I'm literally at the <laughs> end of the game I just have to finish it but I can't because I still I still got 12 more stupid seashells I gotta find 
so how do you do you have a process for like deciding like what games you want to stream versus what games you just are going to play um yes and no i mean so this is where twitch kind of has that evil right where <laughs> you go you want to have viewers and you want you want to have that viewership and you want the people that are watching you to like what they're watching because then they come and they hang out, right? So a lot of times when I play these off-the-wall indie games, you just don't have people interested in it. So that's kind of where I come down to like I end up playing a lot of the same games or games that have unlimited hours available to them like, you know, Dead by Daylight or Hunt Showdown. Those are games that you can play nonstop forever and you're never going to run out of things to do, right? So, but if I were to switch over and go to another game, you lose all that viewership and that's really hard mm. for a small streamer. If you were a large streamer, it wouldn't matter. You could do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but if there's a game that I really want to play, like right now I've got a, a few games on my radar. Uh, Biomutant, I've been waiting for that to come out for a long time and The Last of Us 2. Mm. Those are two games that I just like, they're on my mind and I can't stop thinking about them and I, I can't wait to play them. And when they do come out, that's all I'm going to play. And I don't, I don't care who's there to watch me. I'm going to be there. <laughs> um, but I mean, if a viewer purchases a game for me and they're like, Hey, I got this game for you. I think you're really going to like it. I'm going to play that on stream just because they took the time and the effort to think about me and they want to see me play it. So I'm going to do it. Um, I don't know. I'm really trying to be better because I, I definitely have always sort of been the triple a title guy, you know, like I would just play those big triple a type releases, you know, the, and you know, you do that for a reason because some of those indie games are, (laughs) but I'm trying to be better about because before it was just like I'd only play triple A's, not because I was taking some stand. I just wouldn't take the time to try to sit. Like I know there are non triple A games out there I would like. It's just yeah. committing the you know the re- the time into saying, well, would I like this or not? You know what I mean? And or or would I dig in? And I also don't play on PC, which Lopez makes fun of me about relentlessly. Um, I didn't have a PC until five years ago. I mean, I had a PC, but like it was like a laptop, right? It couldn't do anything. I was like strictly a console gamer. Yeah, and it's stupid considering what I do for a living because like I have access to everything to build like the most stupid rig of all time, right? Right. Um, <laughs> like I could have an insane rig, right? Um, I worry about the status of my marriage if I put in a rig because <laughs> um, I would just be up here all the time, you know? Um, yeah. And at least like the Xbox is now on like our main TV. Right. So when we're going to watch, like, I, I don't have a choice, right. It's if I, if so she, your wife's not a gamer at all. N- well, no, because of, again, she didn't grow up with games. Right. But here's, what's interesting about gaming. And again, like how people don't think about it. We, um, Ooh, did I just lose you? I think I just lost you. This is what happens when you do things live at home folks your uh internet screws up oh can you hear me now Hmm? yes oh there you go all right 
There we go. Discord for the win. Ta-da. Technology is so good. It is good. I know. I can't remember what I was talking about. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> um. Oh, about my wife. Um, and about she's not. Oh a yeah, she's, she's not a gamer. Yeah. So it's interesting because, um, you know, she doesn't do any console and PC, but now over time, like we're also both multitask. Like if we, we watch a lot of TV, that's kind of one of the things we do. We have shows we watch together and, um, um, I always have like my laptop in my lap and over the last like five years now, like she it started with like i think words with friends and then it morphed into like candy best fiends candy crush yeah best fiends and now she's got <laughs> all these games on her ipad and then she's just like it's literally like almost a sitcom skit where she's just like i'm not a gamer you're the gamer while she's swiping like a crazy person on her ipad <laughs> you, you know what i mean like playing some game yeah. or like or like now her big thing is is like puzzles like the old school, like puzzles, like, you know how you dump the puzzle pieces, I love puzzles. but digital, you know, it's on the iPad. So it's, it's no, the old God. school pieces. No, and then not she, the same. and she drags them around. She's got a little pen, you know, that she uses and she likes to put puzzles together, but on the thing. And I'm like, you're playing, you're gaming. Yeah. Albeit at a very minor league level, <laughs> you are. Right. But it, it's still a game. I mean, it goes yeah. back to, I mean, original, some of the original games that what windows came out with was like solitaire minesweeper yeah of course i mean there's there's still games so not the wolverine ask a question and since we ask and then we got back i want to say if i'm assuming this wasn't me since per curdy has a pc if yeah if you get a pc what would be the first game you'd play that you can't on console um that's the thing is i don't know for me if i got a pc it wouldn't be about accessing games that i can't get to on console it'd be about being able to play games with people like yeah like, with your friends. Yeah, like I would love to play Hunt or DVD or something with you guys. You know what I mean? Like that would be so much fun. That's why I would do it. It would totally Dude, not be it. about getting get, getting it to into games that whatever. Although it would be because honestly, if I had to pick a game that if if I was a streamer, I would probably be a PUBG streamer. Um, but you could do your podcast live too. Oh, I t oh, I totally could. Like what we're doing right now, you could do that live. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but like I played a ton of PUBG, and I mean I still play a fair amount. I've backed off some, but um, so. but it, you know because I'm doing it. Like I actually started playing Hunt on console, and it's really really hard. But um, it's so good though. Um, just because mouse and keyboard like controller FPS is hard. It, it is a different world and it's one you have to get used to. And when I started streaming, it was on console. I streamed right from the PlayStation camera. Like I bought the PlayStation camera and used that. And then same thing with the Xbox. I used the, like the connect camera and I would use that to stream. Was it good? No, it wasn't <laughs> good. It didn't look good at all. But there I was and I was doing it. And that's actually how I built my original following. And then I decided, okay, well, I'm going to get a gaming PC so that I can see chat on the side, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of started building from there. Like, okay, well, now that I can see chat, I want to do this. And then it just built and built. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I got to get a PC. 
And when I finally bit the bullet and did it, I've never looked back. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's entirely possible, too, that Diablo 4 might be the game that gets me off the schneid. Um, you guys heard it here. <laughs> uh, we're a little bit ways away. Like, I'm not totally convinced that Blizzard will get that done by next year. But um, that I loved those games. Um, and it's different though. They're diff- Mouse and keyboard yeah. took me a while for to sure. Get used to, but I would like to see how good I am at FPS with mouse and keyboard. Just because I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, oh, you'll be better. Yeah, I mean, because I'm actually pretty decent controller, a control, pretty decent controller FPS player. Yeah, I was too. Like, I loved Gears of War, man. Like, that was the one thing that got me on the Xbox. I never wanted an Xbox. I was always a, a Sony girl. But Gears of War looked so good, right? So, yeah, I've played every single Gears of War, and it was so good. And I was actually really good at it, but... The most recent Gears of War, right? Now Windows has come out or Microsoft has come out come out with the cross platform situation. You can play it on PC and you're like, oh God, I'm a fucking legend. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I have I mean, a great example. I mean, like when I'm playing, you know, um even like now with Xbox, like when I play Hunt, I mean I've got it I've got it set to where it won't p- match me with keyboard mouse players. Like, cause I'll just get wrecked. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, you, totally. You totally. In a second, yeah, too. You just get right. You won't even have time to think about it. Yeah. You'll be like, hmm, what's that sound over? <laughs> yeah, <Dead."> exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I don't, I just have always, because of what I do for a living, like I've always just been in the, in the Microsoft world, which is why I ended up gravitating towards Xbox. And then now it's just like, I've got an XB one and, and I have a PlayStation four. I just don't want to pay for the live subscription because I've got X, I pay for Xbox live. So yeah. like, like last of us two, I will 100% play. Right. Absolutely. Like, and, but that, but to. like, that'll probably be the only game I'll, I'll fire up on my PS4 for, you know, a year. Right. Cause most of the so time I, I find it interesting though. You said your wife doesn't play. So like, does it bother her when you, when you're playing games a lot or does she just kind of do her own thing? Like, does she nag you? Like, is she like, oh, God, are you going to be done playing these games <laughs> soon? Or I feel like after having been married for 14 years that I kind of now have a pretty good read on. <laughs> right. Like when it's OK. So and I will say, too, that like so she travels a lot, as you might imagine, for her job. Like, yeah, she was just in New York this past week doing a story on this horse trainer up there at Belmont where they run like the Belmont Stakes. And, you know, she was in Canada. She's going to Sweden in a few months. Like she's just she's all over the place. So to be quite honest, like I. um, She'll generally say, like, we'll get home from work. We'll chat it up about our day. We'll make some food. And then usually she'll be like, hey, do you want to watch something? You know what I mean? And nine times out of 10 or probably 98 times out of 100, the answer, I'll always say yes, because I want to hang out with her. Right. So, right. right. But the times when it doesn't lend itself are also because of what she does. She does a lot of charity work and like she emcees and hosts a lot of charity events. So I, I just, and between that and her travel, like there's lots of nights where it so doesn't. So you have time Yeah, to so she's it. just gone. That's good. Right? Like, so when she's, and I'll just come home from work, feed the dogs, you know, and fire it up, you know. Or these days, believe it or not, like it sounds, oh yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn's the shit. 
Um, so good. So um, I want him to do another one of those. Like, what's going on? Um, so, uh, but it's funny now, like I game less because I'm hanging out with you idiots. Like I just put my PC, <laughs> oh, I put my PC in my lap and I'm bouncing around people's Twitch channels. You, you know, it's what I, crazy, isn't it? You, you know what I mean? Instead of playing, because for me, like, you know, and it's I'll, consuming though, because, but you know, oh God, like we could just circle around this all night. You know, these people and you want to hang out with them. Like. Every, I have my morning ritual, man. I get up in the morning. I have my iPad when I get ready for work and I watch the same people yeah. every morning. I, when I get home, I know who's going to be on. I'll watch the same people. Like it's this weird routine, kind of like Lopez. Like I know where he is every Tuesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, you know, like I know where he's going to be. Yeah. And, and also I think there's, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard uh, to me. It's sort of like when I was single in my twenties, it was always like not married, no girlfriend, whatever. Or even when I had a girlfriend, it was like, get off work, you know, starting from about Wednesday on go up to the local bar you hang. And I don't want to come draw the bar reference again, but you know, I could not even have any other friends going out. If I went to the, my hangout, I knew the bartender, I knew, you know, yep. the people are going to be there and I'd go up, yep. I'd have a few pops, then go home. Right. You knew what to expect. Yeah. And like that to me now, I feel like that's my, cause I'm old as fuck. Like I'm not going out. So like, <laughs> for, I'm, not, I'm a homebody too, man. Like when I'm home, I'm home. Yes. Like once I hit that door and my shoes come off, I'm not going back out. Yeah. So I feel like that like kind of, it's going to take a lot to drag me back out. Yeah. I feel like that kind of scratches that itch. You know what I mean? Like that whole, like, you're just, you're, you get that social interaction without having to leave the comfort of your home. Yeah. So, so I, and also too, though, I don't have a lot of friends that are gamers on console, mostly because a lot of my IRL friends, um, you know, that are my age, right? 45, they've all got like a slew of like 12 to 17 year olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's, you know, it, it's like if I do have a moment where I'm not going to soccer practice or going to band practice or taking them to, you know, to karate or doing whatever, like I'm going to hang out with my wife or husband or I'm just going to chill. You know what I mean? The last yeah. thing I'm going to do is yeah. jump on and play a game. And to me, like, I don't much like I said with the PC, like I'm not a huge fan of so like I think back again at the end of like in the in the heyday when I was playing tons of COD you know, there were like seven or eight of my buddies. You knew you could always get a four man squad together, like no matter what, you know right. what I mean? And it's like, that was our time to hang. Like we were playing a game, but really what we were doing was hanging out. The game was just sort of a, you know, a, a vehicle, right. For us to I, all be connected and talk, sit and around and talk bullshit. Yeah. yeah. That's and, exactly what Twitch is. I just, I honestly, sometimes I just play a game like dead by daylight for me is that mindless game that I just play but I'm watching chat 90% of the chat, you know, like it's that vehicle where I'm just here to chat with you or talk with you. And I've just happened to have a game going on in the background. But it also lends itself to you getting uh, really frustrated, making strange noises, yelling at people, having people scare the shit out of you, telling people, having eat, people scare me, right. Telling people <laughs> to eat a dick, you know, stuff like that. I've never said that. <laughs> 
Whatever, you made it out of that hatch by like a half a second last night. The Twitch clips (laughs) are where the gold is, right? Like, that's where the gold is. And everybody has a good time. But like, I I asked you those questions about your wife because um, I know a lot of my guy friends, like they, like if I'm bored and I'm at home, so so my, uh, my husband doesn't get home from work until usually a little bit later, but I'll usually, you know, get online for a few hours and my initial thought when I do that is I'm just going to see who's online and who's playing what, you know, sometimes you bug these friends and they're like, Oh no, you know, the wife is nagging me or like, I have some friends that like their wives, like I can just hear them in the other room, just yelling at them because <laughs> they're playing video games. And I think that's, that's hard too. Cause if you have somebody who doesn't like video games or doesn't understand why you play video games, it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody like that sometimes because uh, it creates that animosity, you know? Well, it's, yeah, because again, I think, and again, perhaps at this point, it's just because I'm very experienced at being married. Um, the- well, but you have, you have free times too. Like, you know, when you have that time available to play, like when it's appropriate. Yeah. But that's like, but, but again, to me, like, it's not just about video game. Like at that point, it's about with your, your partner, like understanding what your relationship allows for. So I feel like I'm also very lucky in a sense that my wife, when we got married, we were both already in our thirties and we'd never been married before. So we, when we got married, we both were single for our entire twenties and did the whole single thing. And we're, totally gassed on that you know what I'm saying and then it was right. just like we were looking to settle down we met each other um and we're both like hyper independent like so again she's very successful in her career we don't have children um there's stuff she likes to do and we're both very comfortable with not being on top of each other when we're in the house together And I know people that are not like that, right? Like I know I have buddies where it's like if they're home and they're not, you know what I mean? Like, and again, it works for them. It would not work for us because a great example. So Holly makes, so Holly's air quotes, video games, Holly makes jewelry and she sells it. So like behind where I'm sitting right now, which you probably can't see in this other back corner is a separate desk where her desk is. And she's got, all of this stuff, like, you know, all their tools and the chain and the jewels and the things. And I don't know, but that's what she does. She, we, we have a 40 inch TV. She puts on some terrible British TV show, which is what she'll watch (laughs) fucking Downton Abbey or the crown or some nonsense like that. And she'll watch TV, she'll watch TV shows and, and make jewelry. And I'm downstairs, you know, getting ass wrecked and hunt. And that's, and that's just, that's how it works for us. You know what I mean? Like it, it totally, it just, it totally works for us. No, that's good. But I mean, some people don't, some people don't have that. And I've, I pity those poor bastards. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, find you, find you a wife that doesn't yell at you when you play video games. Yeah. And and, (laughs) yeah, for sure. And find, you know, and find you a, I mean, again, I think people don't necessarily think a lot about, and you're newly married, but you guys have been together for a while and, you know. Yeah, we've been together for nine years. Yeah, so. and you're not, you know, you're not 22 either, you know. So, like, no. 
that's that's a, when we met. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's a lot of like I had like buddies from college, you know, that like dated their like they married their college girlfriend like right after that we got out of school. Yeah, no, and, and you know they haven't even figured their own stuff out yet. You know what I mean? Well, and like they're. they're I'm so, very fortunate though because he's a gamer too. Oh, there you go. So, oh, I didn't even know he I played. Mean, yeah, I mean, he's been on the stream a few times, but again, I try to keep that yeah business and pleasure separate <laughs> a little bit. So he's actually played with Lopez and I when we've been playing Hunt. Um, mm. But he's a big gamer too. So actually, like t- to the right of me right now, there's his PC. So we have matching PCs. We have his and her PCs in the same room. Um, we have matching computer chairs, everything. We're like, we're disgusting. I know. Uh, <laughs> But half the time, like, we're sitting at home. I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. You want to play some video games? And it's like, sweet. So he goes in his little world and does his games. And then I go in my little world and I do my games. So I guess I'm very fortunate in the fact that I found somebody that really likes video games as as well. You know, but I have those friends. And mostly it's men, obviously, that they have the wives that really hate them playing video games. And I kind of feel bad for them. It's, it's a good outlet. You know, it's just a chance for you to forget about the stresses of daily life and gives you something else to focus on, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, not to get overly deep, but, um, I, my dad, um, died, uh, February 19th was the six year anniversary of my dad passing away. And, uh, oh, thanks. We were real close. Um, it was, it's the worst thing I've ever dealt with in my life. Um, and I like it almost like I was so depressed after, after it almost, it almost cost me my, my marriage. I mean, because I was, you know, I was, I, I was sad. I was mad and, and I took it all out on my wife. Right. Like I, I didn't hit her or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Well, I just, right. yeah. I just was not in a good place and she was the closest person to you. Right. So anytime that anger or sadness or whatever, it was always directed at her. And, you know, she finally said, you know, you really have got to go see someone or we're not going to survive this. Right. Like you've got to figure out, like, I was hoping you would come out of it, but you're just not coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I went to get, I went to see a therapist and, um, one of the, and it's like the greatest thing I've ever done. Now I've tried to become like a huge advocate for therapy. Like I have a podcast. Um, I found out a couple of years ago, a friend of mine's son who was 18 killed himself. He shot himself. Oh my God. Um, and a girl I went to high school with, and it was one of those things where, uh, and again, like I don't know enough about it, but based on some of the things I've heard and the things I've heard her and her husband say is they thought something was wrong but they didn't do anything like they would always just chalk it up to like teenage angst or, you know what I mean? Which I think is not, yeah. you know, I don't blame them at all. I'm not saying it's their fault, but I'm saying that there's this weird stigma about your mental health, you know, and people wanting to say or do something. Like if you thought someone's leg was broken, you'd take them to the fucking hospital. But when their mind's broken, we just kind of ignore it. Um, no, yeah, totally. And, I a hundred percent agree. And so, um, I did this solo cast about, you know, and I always try to encourage people, but what I'm driving at was it's the best thing I ever did. Um, but one of the big things that we talked about, um, with that, my therapist talked to me about is, um, we, there are coping mechanisms and there are avoidance mechanisms, right? So 
and they're different and I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, coping is like when you're actually trying to work it out, right? Like coping is like where you're trying to fix it to the best of your ability and then put it away. Avoidance is when you know you're going into a place and you can't cope right now. So you just do something else to push it, push it out. And it's like, I know I'm going right. to have to deal with that later, but I don't want to let myself sink into this like sort of dark place right now. So I'm going to go do something to just get my mind off it. And, right. and those are things. And it's, it's funny. Like the first time I thought when I was in therapy, like she says, get out a piece of paper and we're going to write all these down. And she goes, what are some things you like to do? And, um, she goes, and I, and one, and I said like, um, uh, I like to play video games. <laughs> I like to have sex. I like to, you know what I mean? I like to, right. I like to, um, I like to make sandwiches, you know what I mean? Or like, like <laughs> or omelets. I do. I like I, to watch food network. Yeah. I like to watch football. And so she's like, okay. And she goes, here's the thing. It sounds ridiculous, but like, if you feel yourself going there, it is absolutely okay for you to go to your wife and say, I need to do this right now, right? This is not about me not wanting to be with you or not wanting to do whatever, but I'm not happy. Right. I'm upset. I don't feel good. I need to escape. I need to get away. I need, you know, and again, she's like, if she'll have sex with you, that's great. Um, if, um, you know, you want to play a game <laughs> or if you want to cook some food, but, but, you know, but she's like, but these are actually tools and you can't, now you can't abuse it. Right. And just be like, I've always got, so I even, I've, what I am is I'm agreeing with you a hundred percent. Like it is about, it's good for your mental health sometime to have something that will allow you to just sort of check out, right. Or to concentrate on something else, right. Other yeah. than just your life. It's funny that you say therapy too, because I have, I've said this to so many people that gaming for me is like free therapy. It's, I mean, I guess more so like before I met some of my friends online than I did. But when I first started playing with them, it's strangers that you're talking to that don't know anybody else in your personal life. And they just know what you are telling them. And you, it's a way to get a different perspective from other people. Like, People that you don't know are okay with telling you that you're full of shit or that the way you're thinking about that isn't right or they're not afraid to to tell you that you're wrong. And that's it's kind of like a therapist. Like some days when I'm I've I'm really open and honest about this on my stream that I about 5 years ago developed really bad anxiety mm -hmm. and it led me down this horrible road of depression and health problems because I just thought I was never going to get better. I was never going to get better. And I would just black out randomly. And it was because I had a serotonin deficiency. Like my body just decided like, oh, fuck it. We don't need this anymore. But apparently you do. Yeah. And I, I did have to go to therapy. And uh, I mean, eventually after like 10 specialists, um, it got to the point where, like you said, like I thought I was going to lose my relationship because I was just a horrible person to be around mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with him, but it was because I was so upset that I felt horrible. Like I had all of this stuff happening to me and I didn't understand why. And I just thought I was never going to get better therapy. I guess in that sense, didn't really work so well for me because it was 
a physical issue. Mm. I wasn't actually depressed because something horrible happened to me. I was depressed because I thought I was never going to get better. But I mean, once they figured out, oh, once I finally talked to a professional, she was like, yeah, I think you got a serotonin problem here. (laughs) (laughs) Take this store-bought serotonin and you'll be fine. And she was right. Like I stopped blacking out and, you know, things started getting better. But because of that, because I created, I became like a hypochondriac, you know, like parts of my body go numb sometimes, like my jaw and my arm and like, God, you think you're having a heart attack or something. It makes you think something horrible is happening to you, but it's it's not. It's just anxiety, and that's something that I did to myself and I have to live with now. But sometimes I don't feel good, and talking to people on stream about that is knowing somebody else out there feels that way too. Is It's reassuring. It's like free therapy. Yeah, and that's why I tell a lot of my friends, you know, that because at this point in the game, like – there are certainly technical or tactical things that a therapist can do to help you. Um, if, if it like, it's not your case where it's chemical or, you know, medical or something that is not right. just like a, a, like your mind is not jamming. I mean, it's all chemical, but in like, in your case, there was a specific right thing. Yeah. Um, at this point, like they do, they can do some tactical things, but it's not like a physical injury, you know, where it's like, Oh, well, we'll give you the shot. We'll put this cast on you. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll go in and do this surgery. You know, it's, it's obviously a little more art than science in that way. But the thing that now and why I still go six years later is um, if you think about it, and again, I'm reinforcing what you just said, everyone in your life is in your life because they're, you have a personal relationship with them. And so it's hard, even with your partner, your spouse is because if it has the things to do with them, it's sometimes hard to have those conversations. And you can't for, talk to it about that I mean, with them. The thing is, is when I'm in that room with Amy, who's my therapist, I can say anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, like just the ability to say stuff out loud, like if she didn't do anything, if she just sat there, it would be worth it because I can just unload and she's not going to judge me. She's not. Now, if I say something crazy or wrong or, you know what I mean? Or she thinks she'll definitely check you and say, well, I don't know if you're thinking about that the right way or whatever, but. Cause right. Cause, Maybe you should think about it from a different point of view or. Because sometimes too, it can be horrible things, right? Like things that you wouldn't say in society, right? Like because of the repercussions, like right. I, I joke around about like, you know, hating, you know, like hating kids or whatever, but like, that's not something I'm just going to break out at a party. You know what I mean? Like with a bunch <laughs> yeah, of, no, for sure. Like with a bunch I say of, that, I say that I've said that to customers that at my work, I'm like, not, nah. they're like, don't you have kids? And I'm like, no, I hate kids. And yeah. they're like, they just, <gasps> like I said something horrible. Like it's okay. You don't have to like children. Like, let's be honest. They're, they're little shits. And the only reason you like them is because you popped it out and That's you have right. to deal with it. Because it's okay? yours. Like, That's exactly right. Because it's yours. But even things that are just so inappropriate that you'd never act on, like, you know, an ex- like, again, like I, this is, I mean, I wouldn't advocate this at all, but we're talking, I mean, we're just being real, but like, you know, like, God, this person today did something and all I wanted to do was punch them in the face. Like I just yeah. wanted to physically assault them. Right. 
And honestly, if you said that to someone that knew you, they would think you were violent. They would think you were violent, crazy person. You've got an issue. That's right. And it really wasn't. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to express and relay my emotion to this person and explain it where I was because I don't care what anybody says. Everybody in the world is someone has made them mad enough to where they wanted to kick them in the shins, right? Like it's just oh for sure, right? But the ability to just be able to let that fly, and nine times out of ten, like I say it every time I leave a session. I feel like I had a bag of bricks that I left in the office. You know what I mean? I just feel better just from unloading, right? And just just getting things out. So um, I'm a huge proponent. I feel like if anybody's listening, and I always say this, and you do, go, go. It's not expensive. It's usually covered by insurance if you have it. Um, if yeah, you most always it's covered by insurance. If you don't have insurance and you tell, and you don't have to go, and I'm not talking about a psychiatrist or a psychologist, like you can go to an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. Um, they're not doctors. They can't prescribe medicine or whatever, but they can still help. Like I go to an LPC. I don't go to a an MD, right, or a psychiatrist. Um, they'll usually, if you tell them it's like I'm a cash, you know, I don't have insurance or I can't, they'll work out something with you because they don't have to mm-hmm. file paperwork and do all that stuff. Like, Generally, my experience has been they're really cool. And usually if you there's do- stuff online, too, there's like there's therapists online. There's apps for it that you can do. You can speak with a therapist right from your phone now. Like you don't even have to leave your house yeah. anymore to yeah. do it. And it's just it's so I'm because I, I, I just know most people just are are scared of it or they feel like they're ashamed of it or they feel like they're broken and that there's something wrong with, you know what I mean? And like, I just, I don't want people to, cause that was me. Cause I fought it for a long time until like, honestly, the idea of, of losing my wife is what it took for me to be it's like, terrifying. Oh fuck. Like I can't, that can't happen. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that can't happen. Right. Yeah. So well, like, and that's why I initially went because I pretty much told myself, like, if you don't do something, you're not going to make it out alive. That's honestly what it came down to. It, it, it had I was terrified of losing him, even though he would reassure me, like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for you. Like, I know it stressed him out. I could see it. Like, mm. he felt horrible. He's really bad with emotions. Like, if I'm crying, like, he doesn't know what to do. Like, mm. he's like deer in the headlights. Like, oh, God, what do, <laughs> what do I do? And I think that's that's a big thing for like a lot of guys, you know, like he just he's not good with emotions. So like I don't have that outlet with him. I can talk to him about anything, but I just don't if I need emotional support, like I just know it's not there for him, you know. So to have a therapist, it is it is good. And I, I said that, you know, therapy didn't work for me. I, 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 I want to take that back. It, it did in a sort where, you know, some of the things that they they talk to you about, like they just they give you tools to, you know, cope with your bad situation. Cause obviously anxiety was really bad. It was really physical for me. And I just kept going in and out of the ER cause I was blacking out. Nobody could tell me what was happening to me. And God forbid I was driving one time when that Oof. happened or something, you yeah. know? So, I mean, I was, I was scared all the time. I was terrified all the time. And one of the people that I spoke to was just, really great and she was able to you know tell me like you know you can breathe through it or just just coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like ways to deal with it or just to tell you that the way you're thinking about yourself isn't okay like you need to treat yourself with more compassion and like it's okay to you know to feel bad absolutely I mean and it does 
um oh j pods and chatty saying they yeah they give you the tools you got to put in the work um yeah it takes a lot of effort it absolutely does um but i think for a lot of people at least for me it's like i didn't know where to start you know what i mean like i it's almost like the, i didn't either i i went online and googled it yeah like <laughs> believe I it or just, not i just i mean i was just in a hole i was like this person's got four and a half stars yeah <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm like they must be good <laughs> but i mean before i even got to that part i'm talking about like making like getting better i didn't know where to start like i knew you i was unhappy try. i knew i was hurting my wife I knew I was not fun to be around. I just didn't know what to do. Um, yeah, and it's to the point where you don't even want to be around yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it actually reminds me of a really great story that I tell a lot of people that I think puts it in a in a um that puts it in perspective is um so there's a guy and he's walking along and he falls in a hole and um he's down the hole and the sides are the sides are smooth and you know, he can't get out and he's trying, he can't climb up. And then someone walks by and he goes, Hey, I'm stuck. Can you get me out? And they're like, sure. Let me see if I can go find a rope and they leave. And then you're still in the hole and you don't come out. And another person comes by and they say, Hey, can you please help me out? And the person goes, yeah, let me see if I can go find a fire truck or a policeman. And then they leave or a ladder or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then you're just standing there. And then a third person comes by and says, Hey, I'm stuck. And that guy jumps in the hole. And the person that was down there at the beginning goes, what are you doing? Now we're both down in this hole. And the guy that jumped in the hole says, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. That's awesome. And that was, that's, a, that's beautiful. And that actually. was a story that, that when one of my first sessions, my therapist told me, and she's like, I'm going to help you be the guy that knows the way out. And that is how you, you know, that's the trick because there's really not so much a curing of yourself. I mean, again, I'm not nearly mm -hmm. as bad because I've dealt with my father's death and, you know, the stuff with all that. But I'll go ahead and tell you straight up, if I hadn't, I mean, again, you think about things that are blessing. I'm not a religious guy, but, you know, whatever you want to call that, right? Like sort of cosmic alignment or whatever. But the stuff I went through with my health and almost dying um, and waking up in a hospital and not being able to walk or move or eat or do anything, like if I hadn't done all the things I'd done to try to get better after my dad, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I don't know how I could have mentally survived waking up in a hospital seven weeks after you dropped in your kitchen. Oof. Right. And going, what is going on? Right. Like, cause I, no, I agree. I have a black, like I remember, I remember calling nine one one going getting I remember seeing my feet on the pavement getting out of the ambulance at the hospital near my house and the next thing I remember is waking up seven weeks later in a different hospital in a different part of Atlanta like that whole like month and a half is just gone and so what happened exactly I'm not I, I never heard so basically I had gotten diagnosed with gallstones um and I had surgery scheduled to remove my gallbladder and um, generally it's a super common surgery. There's no real yeah. after effects. It's no big deal. It's outpatient. You know what I mean? There's nothing to it. Um, and on, and the, like the week or week and a half prior to me, a gallstone lodged in, lodged. So your liver and your pancreas, you have your bile duct, which comes from your liver and your pancreatic duct, which comes from your pancreas. And they actually merge together right before mm -hmm. they hit your small intestine. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, and a gallstone is on the bile duct track. So a gallstone had jumped out of my gallbladder, ran down the bile duct and lodged itself right at the junction of my, oh my pancreatic God. duct and my bile duct. So what happens is, is you get bile Everything backing up into your up. liver yep. and pancreatic fluid backing up into your pancreas. And in most cases, in that scenario, you're going to obviously, you're going to start to have, your liver's going to start to freak out, and then you're going to get pancreatitis, which is like a swelling of the pancreas, which is very dangerous. Um, in very rare cases, which was mine, um, you get what's called necrotizing pancreatitis, where the freaking out of the pancreas, I mean, the only way I can think to describe it is it starts to die, it starts to melt. Right. Like it effectively just starts to dead. And, and then the problem with me is then it starts throwing off dead tissue because it's dying. And then dead tissue in your abdomen causes sepsis. So then oh you, my God. so then you have a blood infection. So like when I got yep. to the hospital, by the time I, they figured out what was going on, my pancreas was, was going, my liver was freaked, totally freaked out. And I was septic and Jesus. Um, you know, and I was swollen and distended and the whole thing was just, you know, they were trying to get, and they could, because there was so much swelling, they couldn't actually get to the stone to get it out. So it was just stuck, stuck there. Like even with surgery, like they'd cut me open and they couldn't get to the thing and they're trying to get me stabilized. And my best friend in the world who lives in Kentucky, you know, my wife called him and he got in his car and was at my side in like seven hours, right? Like he literally put all his shit in a bag and like 30 minutes and left and drove six hours down here. Um, and at some point he, and I didn't, they didn't tell me this story until later, but at some point he pulled the doctor aside and just said, I need you to tell me like, what's the, like, what are we really dealing with here? And the doctor said, it's about a 50, 50 shot on whether he ever wakes up. Oh my God. And, um, you know, like fortunately I woke up and, you know, I made it out. There's not, you know, there's some, some lingering I mean I don't have a pancreas anymore so like I basically went from being totally normal to effectively being a type 1 diabetic because um I can't I, I can't produce insulin I don't have the organ that makes right. insulin um I lost a kidney in there too which we found out later like because just the collateral damage um killed Jesus, my right man. my right kidney um, you're so lucky yeah I mean now the good part of it is is if you're going to lose organs like a kidney's the one to lose Cause right. um, you got a, you got a spare. Um, but, um, yeah, but it's funny cause people were like, and don't get me wrong. Like when I was out of it, there was some anger and my wife definitely told me yeah. where I got mad at some nurses from time to time and you know, that sort of stuff. But once I got back into like a regular sort of mental place, you know, I, I was never mad or like, I was just really grateful to not be dead. And, um, and I was able to leverage a lot of the stuff that I learned um, dealing with my dad to help get me through like that whole, that whole thing. Um, but I do think it was harder on my wife than it was on me because she was having to deal with it all. While I was just basically unconscious, you know? So, right. um, so it, it was a, it was really, it, it was scary. It was, you know, again, I was on my back for six months. I was out of work. Um, it was, and, and, oh, so again, like talking about community. So that was the whole thing with Lopez was, um, I didn't show up in chat for like four or five days. And yeah, he, I heard about this story. And I've he, heard this story. And he just knew something was wrong. Right. He's like, mm -hmm. that's just weird. Right. Like, cause if he went somewhere, he probably would have told me, you know, and yeah. 
And that's how he ended up getting in touch with Holly and Holly told him and, you know, he and Krista came to see me and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but you know, again, the, the power of the whole community thing, like he knew something was fishy, you know, like he's like, where is he? Cause obviously yeah, I've had people do that to me. If I don't say anything for a few days, I've had people reach out and they're like, Hey, you okay? Like everything. All right. Like, yeah, I'm just <laughs> need to be away from the internet for a while. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, cause the other thing too, is obviously the last thing like Holly is my wife's name is Holly. Holly is thinking about is, you know, putting out a Facebook post or something to let people know what's right. going on. Oh, yeah. like she's, she's trying to keep lot. me alive. Like you're about right? to lose. Yeah, exactly. And, and deal with the hospitals and, you know, just all that stuff, you know, and that's a whole nother conversation about, you know, if you ever do find yourself in a scenario when you're sick, the two things I, if I can give anybody any advice on takeaways is um, understand that there's no better advocate for you than you. Um, and that you're in charge right? Like you're the customer. Now I don't mean that you should ignore the advice of doctors, but ask lots of questions. Don't let people feel like they can t- not explain shit to you. Right. Like, I, cause I think a lot of people go and feel like, well, they're doctors. So they're like God, but they're humans and you need to ask questions and make sure. You're yeah. I learned that was not true <laughs> right. during my experience. Like it was hard. Nobody believed me. Nobody. It was so, it was like the most heartbreaking and frustrating experience of my life. I saw a, well, first it started with the numbness, right? So that's how the anxiety started, which who would have thought that parts of your body going numb was from anxiety. Um, That's when the serotonin deficiency started. And so I started with a chiropractor and then since it was all in my jaw and my neck and my arm, he was like, maybe you should see a dentist. So I saw a dentist. Then she told me to go to a cardiologist. And then he told me to go to a neurologist. And then just like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in tests and blood work and everybody telling me like, you're super healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, you're too young for this. Like, I got that a lot. You're too young for this. Like, obviously I'm not because it's happening. (laughs) Right. And like, nobody could help me. I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say that I saw like eight or nine different like specialists, not just doctors, but specialists. And nobody could tell me what was wrong with me. And it was terrifying. And then for some reason I went to an ENT because like I was having a hard time like with the left side by my ear. And ironically, all of this has been happening on the left side. And Finally, after my third visit to this girl, the nurse looks at me and she's like, honey, I think you have anxiety. And I was like, what? No, like you don't understand. Like it's so physical. I'm blacking out. I'm, you know, whatever. She's like, I've seen this before, I swear. And she was the one who told me to go talk to a therapist. And after I started, and I think this is another really important thing. The first therapist I went to was not a match right? Yes. Like yes. therapy is like dating. That's okay. Exactly. Like if, if you like, if this is your first time going to therapy and the first person you meet up with, you're like, Oh, that guy was a dick. And you're like, I'm never going to therapy again. Please, please don't let that guy be the standard for you. Like I went through four different therapists before I found my love match. Yeah. Quote unquote, you know, and she's amazing. And she's, so wonderful and so caring and so empathetic and she was really the match for me so therapy is like dating you gotta you gotta go through a couple bad eggs before you find a good one you know yeah amy was my my third one 
So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see? So the first one you go to probably isn't going to be your match, but that's okay. They put me, they pushed me in the right direction to find somebody else that was going to be my right match, right? And she, I swear to God, the first time I sat with her, she was just like, you have a serotonin deficiency. Like she just knew instantly. She was like, take this, you know, tell me how you feel. Like I told her I was really uncomfortable taking medication. Like I don't even like taking Tylenol, right? Like I don't like taking any kind of pill at all. And she was like, okay, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, that's fine. But she's like, I just really think it's going to help you. And because I trusted her because she was the one person I actually did trust at that time, I finally did it. And I swear to God, I felt better instantly, like Mm -hmm. instantly. And I think, I think therapy in, in the right hands is very good, but it's like dating. You got, you got to try it for a little bit. Like don't just because the first time doesn't work. You, you get back on the bike and you try again, you know? Yeah. And it's not magic. It's a hundred percent a process, right? Like it's not, it's not gonna just all of a sudden get, although I did when I, when I finally met Amy, I left that first session. Like, I mean, I wasn't cured, but like I could tell that the best way I can describe it is I could tell I was on the right train. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you I felt was, different. Yeah. I wasn't, like you felt good about her as a person though, when you left that room. Yeah. And I wasn't healed, but I felt like I was in the right hands. Right. Like I felt like I was in the right, I was in right. the right place to get to where I was trying to get to. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and again, we got, and I, for people with medical stuff, like I feel like we got really lucky because, you know, my wife was a medical reporter for a, a lot of years and um, she, she knows a lot about that stuff, even though she's not a doctor. And, you know, we, we had a lot of people that really helped us. And I got lucky because, you know, I'm in a huge city. Um, you know, Emory University Hospital here is, is one of the best research hospitals, you know, in the Southeast. Um, and I was at a different place where, frankly, I think they made some bad decisions. Um, and I, and I guess I bring this up because I feel, again, I feel bad because I know that I'm very lucky, like not only lucky and cosmically and like how it worked out, but lucky in that we had resources and people to help us. Because one of the things that was funny is, um, how my wife sort of knew inherently that maybe the people at the hospital I was at didn't have the right expertise to be able to help me Mm. because my case was so weird. Um, and it was so severe and believe it or not, Sanjay Gupta from CNN, they worked together when he first came in and, she actually was on the phone with him and called him and said, um, I don't know that we're in the right place. And he goes, um, what's going on? She kind of explained to him and he goes, okay, I know the doctor that he needs to see. She's at Emory. And he goes, let me call you back in 10 minutes. And so 10 minutes later, Sanjay called Holly back and said, um, okay, her name is, her name is Carla Hack and she saved my life. And I still like, I love her some, I mean, I adore her. Like, obviously she treated me for a long time. And, um, he was like, her name's Carla Hack. She's at Emory and they're waiting for you. So just go ahead and get the transfer together. Oh my God. I just got chills. And (laughs) yeah. And like, and even crazier was, um, so, and I don't remember any of this, but I was so swollen and they had opened me up, you know, to do surgery. They couldn't actually close me back up. Um, so they could, cause they couldn't close me back up. They couldn't put me in a helicopter like to life flight me. So they took me in an ambulance open 
like from oh where I was over to the other hospital and it was about 20 miles or so. So like if there'd been an accident or something like while in transit, like I'm dead, right? Like that's it. Like game over. If somebody hits the ambulance, if something's like, because I'm literally like my stomach is from right below my chest bone down to below my belly button is cut is cut open. Oh and, my God. Um, yeah. But then like we get to Emory and my wife was talking to the intake people or whatever. And, uh, she's saying my name and this was like 1130 at night on like a Thursday or something. And, um, this little Puerto Rican lady says to my wife, are you Holly, you know, um, Arnold? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, you're Sean's wife. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, I'm Carla hack. I'm what, like we're, we were waiting for you. And then she's like, we're taking him into surgery right now. Oh my God. And that was sort of how that all went down. So it was, uh, it was a crazy psycho experience. But again, like if my At wife, least you were out for most of it. Yeah. But if my wife I mean- doesn't make that call, <laughs> right? Like if she doesn't make that decision, like who knows what happens? And again, that was like, we're in the wrong hospital. Like most of the time, you know, I think most people think like, well, any old hospital, you know what I mean? Like it's a hospital. Right. It should be the same. A doctor is a doctor. Right. That's not the case. hundred percent. Like same thing you were saying with therapy. Like you got to be paying real good attention. And if something doesn't feel right, you need to raise your hand and start asking people questions. Well, I mean, same thing with those doctors. Like I saw like seven or eight or nine, God, I don't even know anymore, specialists. And not a, you have, I saw a neurologist who, for Christ's sakes, like this should be in your field. Right. And I, I have to have just some like nurse in an ENT office tell me like, this is what's wrong with you. And I swear to God, like I sent this woman flowers. I reached out to like, I went to her office. I was crying. I hugged her. I thanked her. Like she changed my life and all these specialists who, I mean, some of these guys, like they were old enough to be the crypt keeper. Okay. (laughs) Like out of all of their years of experience, couldn't tell me what was happening to me with all of these. Everybody thought I was lying. Nobody thought I was serious. And (laughs) you have all of these people who are supposed to be a specialty or, you know, like this amazing person in their field and they're not, they're, they're human. They call it a practice for a reason. (laughs) That is weird. Like that you call it, you call it practice. Um, well, I tell you what, um, we're right at about two hours, which is usually about my normal thing. So, um, Time flies when you're having fun. I know. So I'm probably, I'm just going to roll out and then we'll stick around for a second. Um, if that's cool with you, um, yeah. since you're still streaming, but, um, you guys check out my friend, Curdy. It's I'll link all this stuff in the description, but it's uh twitch.tv slash Curdy. That's two R's K E R R T Y. Um, she's Curdy live on all the social medias. Um, and, uh, she rocks. So, Come, come hang out with all the degenerates in her chat when she's um, streaming games. We'll direct you to all the proper clips um, that you need to oh know. God, like, don't. she hates birds. She's very food judgy. <laughs> I um, love birds. 
she's very food judgy. Um, there's all kinds of stuff we can direct you to, <laughs> um, to show, but she's, she's very fun. But as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I'm at Sean ATL on Twitter and then you know where the pod is cause you're listening, but it's on all of your, um, pod channels. So, um, Curdy, thanks for um, hanging out with me. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Yeah, honestly. All right. Well, uh, until next time guys, press on. 